in a, in a very tangible way. I pray that you would be with Pastor Kevin as he brings your word. I pray that the, the words would be yours and not his, and that we would be receptive uh, so that we may bring you all the more glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, beloved. Uh, where do you love to be? Like, if you could be anywhere, where do you love to be? Ah. Mm. Yeah, listen, in a few weeks, I get to go to my happy place known as the Florida Keys, um, and I am quite ready, like, I just want to be there. It's, I got to tell you, like, if you, if you can just kind of enter with me, I don't know if you're the same way, but there is nothing visually quite like water reflected, or light reflected off of water as it dances. I just love that. Like, I could stare at that, mesmerize for hours. It's just, there's something so calming um, and, and transcendent about watching that light dancing as it's reflected off of water. And you put me on a dock overlooking the Caribbean waters of the bay oh, as the sun is setting and there's just this masterpiece of color that I can't conjure up no matter how many things I mix together and try to slap on some paper that's just pasted across the sky. And that gentle, cool summer breeze is blowing off the water. I love that smell of salt. And I just love to just be there looking off and you can see the storms kind of dancing across the bay as they cross over and you see the lightning striking, the, the swooping rains being blown across them. I just love to be there, to be just kind of lost in that moment, just watching in wonder and just being present in that moment. I love it. My only concern in life is this silly game with a string and a ring and a hook and you've got to swing it over and try to catch it. And just for hours could sit there and try to catch that hook. You play that game, usually it's attached at the roof and you just swing it over and there's a, a hook over there on the wall and you try to catch it with that ring. And it's just so much fun. I've got two of them in my house. You're welcome to come play with me. <laughs> Man, that's the only concern in life because I want to be here. It's my favorite place to be. But what's not my favorite place to be is as I look out and I love to watch that storm rolling across the ocean, what's not my favorite place is to be in that storm. Because in that storm, it is terrifying. To be in a boat exposed to the storm is not a good place to be. Have you ever been in a boat exposed to a storm? It's terrifying. Like a real storm. I was like, oh, here's a little rain shower but like I'm talking, the wind has whipped up the waves and so you're rocking violently and crashing into walls of water and it's just bursting over the bow and showering you and then the cold stinging needles, also known as raindrops, they feel like little daggers and just blah, 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 and that's a kind of cold that you don't experience anywhere else. And you're just freezing and lightning is crashing all around you and you just wonder, the next one could be me. Like, what does cooked Kevin taste like? I don't know, but... You're just driving, hoping that you make it home before the storm takes you. Or if it gets to the point of severity, anybody who has been on the ocean knows, there comes a point in which you say, forget this, you throttle down and you jump out of the boat and you just swim. And you wait for the storm to pass because it's actually safer to be in the water away from the boat and all that, like holding a metal steering wheel. Like, ah. But in the storm is terrifying because in the storm I'm not safe and in the storm I'm not in control. And we love safety and we love control, don't we? We like to be safe and we like to be in control. And so turn in your copy of scripture to Matthew chapter 14. Matthew chapter 14, we're going to start in verse 22. A very familiar story that we're actually going to be in this story for the next three weeks, including this week. So Matthew chapter 14, verse 
22 is where we will start. To give you some context, Jesus has just miraculously fed over 5,000 people. Just the men alone count to 5,000 people. So men plus women and children means a lot of people were just fed miraculously by this little boy's lunch. As Jesus multiplies it, he blesses it, gives thanks for it, and starts to send his disciples, distribute this food, and miraculously, everyone eats and is satisfied, and they collect 12 baskets full of the leftovers. And like, how does this happen? This is amazing. And so picking up from that point, verse 22 says, immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After dismissing the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Well into the night, he was there alone. Meanwhile, The boat was already some distance from land, battered by the waves because the wind was against them. Jesus came toward them walking on the sea very early in the morning. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. So, having just fed 5,000 people, this is miraculous. This is amazing. Like, the disciples are involved in this miracle. They get to participate in this as they hand out these fish and these loaves of bread that just seem to multiply and that just never runs out. Like, how is this happening? And they all eat their fill and they collect all these leftovers. And like, this is awesome. And then Jesus commands them to go into the boat and cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. And so last thing Jesus told us to do was to start passing out food. And we were like, how's this gonna work? And it was amazing. And now Jesus tells us, next thing you're gonna do is you're gonna get in this boat and go to the other side. Well, yeah, I'm gonna do what that guy says. So we get into a boat and we start to sail or to row and there comes a point at which night falls now, it's dark and this is about a six mile wide at its its widest point lake um, known as the Sea of Galilee. And so as they're crossing, there comes a point when a storm comes because the Sea of Galilee on multiple sides is just surrounded by these high elevations. And so heat rises, cold air falls. And so all these things, this cold air and all the moisture and everything from that sea, as it's evaporating up, colliding with the cold air, it swoops down and it brings these storms very suddenly into the Sea of Galilee. And so one of these storms catches these professional fishermen, some of them, so they know what they're doing, but it catches them off guard to where they're stuck And now the sails are no good because that's just going to get us capsized. So sails are down. They are rowing with everything they have and they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. Do you hear the language of it? That it's well into the night, early in the morning. If you take that literally, what it's saying is the fourth watch of the night. Historically, that means between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. That they have rowed from before sundown until now at least 3 a.m. in the morning. Do you know how tired you are? Have you ever rowed just a mile in Lake Maniola? They've been rowing and rowing. And so imagine the storm, the wind, the waves, it's crashing, salt water stinging in their eyes. They're freezing to death. Muscles are cramping. And it's just row, row, row. And you like, imagine, this is a group of guys. This is a team effort, gentlemen. Like, who's the weak link here? Because we gotta go. And everyone is giving it everything they have, but they're not making progress. And now, sleep-deprived, exhausted, cold, shivering, wondering when the next lightning crash is going to just decimate them. Out of the darkness, hard to see, because all that water in your eyes and all just the fatigue and everything. A human comes walking out in the storm within sight of the boat. Ah! (laughs) 
Someone screams, it's a ghost. And then it says collectively, they cried out in fear. What does a bunch of grown men crying out in fear sound like? <laughs> it's not masculine. <laughs> ah! Like, I don't know what it was, but it's, it's not good. Like, they are scared. What is going on? We, we have been sent out here by Jesus. And if the storm's not scary enough, here comes a guy walking out on the water. It's a ghost. Of all the places for this ghost to go, why is he walking towards us? And look what happens next. Verse 27. Immediately Jesus spoke to them. Have courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. It's Jesus. The one who just fed thousands of people with a little boy's lunchbox has come walking on water. He sent us out here. I could be a little frustrated about that. You sent me here. And now I'm stuck in a storm. I'm so tired. I'm so scared. And you come walking out like a ghost. He says, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Have courage. Show yourself to be strong is what have courage literally translates to. But I'm not strong. I can't, I can't even get past this storm. I'm so tired. I'm so scared. And you're telling me to show myself to be strong? I'm showing myself to be weak, actually. But it's Jesus. And what does Jesus say in this moment? Uh, we translate it to, it is I. Um, but if you take that as a literal translation, it doesn't make sense grammatically in English. But Jesus shows up and says, hey, I am. Like, what? And many of you know, I am is the divine name. This is Yahweh. This is reference to the book of Exodus when God reveals himself to Moses in a burning bush that's not consumed. There's something on fire that's not being consumed. How is that? That's called a city. Like, how is it that it is self-sufficient? That this, this thing exists in and of itself. It's transcendent. What is this? I be that I be. I am that I am. Yahweh, the God who is over all, is I am. And Jesus shows up, and grammatically, it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but he just announces, hey, I am. Have courage. Don't be afraid. And they would hear that divine name. Lord in all caps as we see it in our scriptures. This is Yahweh. And as good Hebrew boys, they would think back to Isaiah 43. I want you to hear this. As what they think is a ghost comes walking to them in their fear and their exhaustion and says, I am Yahweh, Lord. They would think back to this. Now this is what the Lord, all caps Lord Yahweh says. The one who created you, Jacob, the one who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. I will be with you when you pass through the waters. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not overwhelm you. You will not be scorched when you walk through fire, and the flame will not burn you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and your Savior. I have given Egypt as a ransom for you, Cush and Siva, in your place. And so when they hear Jesus call himself Yahweh, walking on the water. They would also think of Job, where he says that the Lord is the one who walks on the waves. And the Psalms also says this. And then this explicit reference here of the prophet Isaiah, where God says, hey, hey, don't be afraid when you pass through the waters. Why? Because I'm with you. Disciples, I sent you out here. And I know you're tired and you're scared, but you don't have to be afraid because I am here. 
that they would, they would put all this together in this moment that only God walks on water and here comes a ghost walking on the water and he says, hey, I'm God and you don't have to be afraid. Like, imagine the turmoil, the confusion, and can we be honest about our own faith journey to say, sometimes it's really easy to be like, I fully believe, like I'm in this moment, hands raised, worshiping God. Like, I have the privilege to sit here and sing to the king of the cosmos, and he listens to my voice, and he delights in singing over me. Pastor Reggie led us in a staff devotion this week on that. Like, that's amazing that God delights in singing over me, and now I get to sing back to him. What a privilege. And so just full of faith. And then... I take a step and I think, oh God, I've got to stand up in front of these people. Are you real? Do you have, would you actually use someone like me to talk to these people? Like, can I trust this to actually be your word? As so you have this collision of faith and doubt as it just comes and it creates another storm. Like I'm in a storm, but now there's this storm inside of me as Jesus walks out and says, hey, don't be afraid because Yahweh is here. I'm with you. When you pass through the waters, don't be afraid because I am with you. Like, what would it be like to be in that moment, to be in that boat with the disciples as Jesus comes walking up saying, hey, I'm here. I said, you don't have to be afraid. What do I believe about that? Like about your claim of who you are, but about your claim of like how I can be safe because of who you are and the fact that you're here. Like, is, is that true? Because I'm seeing a lot of lightning. I'm seeing a lot of waves, a lot of wind action. Like, this is crazy, Jesus. You just walked out here and says, you sent us out here. What is that all about? But here's Jesus saying, calm down. Don't be afraid. Show yourself to be strong because I'm here and I'm the Lord. In the storm... I'm not safe. In the storm, I'm not in control. And in the storm, the great I am is present. Huh. Look at 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter answered him, command me to come to you on the water. What? All right, Jesus. Lord, I'll submit to you. You call yourself Lord? Okay, Lord. If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. And climbing out of the boat, Peter started walking on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand, caught hold of him and said to him, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Then those in the boat worshipped him and said, truly, you are the son of God. Okay, if it's you, Lord, let me come out there with you. All right, come on. Come on, Peter. You imagine Peter shaking because he's cold and his muscles are giving out on him from a night of rowing through a storm. Shaking, he grabs the rail of the boat, takes one leg over, and it's up and down. The waves are still going. The wind is still howling. And one foot touches something solid as he expects to encounter water. Next foot follows. And then one foot after another, I imagine like a child learning to walk. Like, is this actually happening? But eyes locked on Jesus, the one who says, come, Hey, don't be afraid because I'm here. When you pass through the waters, you don't have to be afraid because I'm with you. 
I've redeemed you. Savior. And Peter says, okay, if that's you, let me come out there. Locked eyes on Jesus. As Jesus says, come, Peter starts to walk on water. Like, what an amazing experience to come walking on the water with Jesus. But then his eyes drift, and he sees the wind and the waves. And again, the collision, the storm that's inside as much as it is outside, faith and doubt collide. And he says, what is this madness? And he starts to sink. And you imagine as he's starting to sink, like, if I go under, they're never going to find me. Have you been in the dark in a storm? You can't see much of anything. Like, you wait for the lightning to crash to hope that you're not going to run into the next mile marker. Like, where's everything at? If Peter sinks, he's lost. And so Peter, crying out desperately, just screams all he knows to say, Lord, save me. Lord, save me. And the mighty hand of God reaches down and saves him. Like, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. Do you know that this is us, right? Like, to come to the point where you realize there is nothing that I can do. I'm utterly beyond my means. I cannot help myself. I can never be good enough. I can never try hard enough. There is nothing that I can do to make right what I have made wrong. And screaming, knowing that you're going to perish, that I am lost for eternity. I've been separated from God because of my sin, and I have rebelled. There's just wrath and consequence for this. And you say, I have nothing. And you throw yourself entirely at the mercy of God and say, Lord, save me. And the sovereign hand of God reaches out and says, you're mine. I've got you. This is what it is to respond to the gospel. To realize our only hope is in a God who says, I love you so much that you can never do this for yourself, but I will come and I'll make a way. The way is Jesus, God himself, the son who took human flesh, put it on himself and then lived a sinless life, never failing to reach the standard of God. He did not fall short of the glory of God. Instead, he displayed it beautifully as the only true human. And then he died this brutal death, murdered by his own creation, nailed to a cross where he says, I'm here in your place so that you could have my righteousness and I will take your condemnation, I will take your sin, I will die the death that you deserve so that you can be alive forevermore with me because I'm going to conquer death. And he proved it just as he predicted three days later. On the third day, he is raised back to life as the first fruit that we would follow suit that in due season, we too will be raised back to life with him. It's as sure for us as it was for him. And all we must do is come to the same point as Peter to realize I cannot do this. There's nothing I can do to save myself. And as I am sinking, as I am perishing, I just call out and bank on the grace, the mercy of God and say, Lord, save me. We need to put your trust in him to turn from your sin. This is repentance, realizing I am broken. I am a sinner and I cannot do this myself. And so I turn to a savior who's mighty to save, the Lord who says, when you pass through the waters, don't be afraid because I'm with you. I've redeemed you. I mean, I've bought you back. I paid the price. He died paying the price. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus. We are his. And so we call out, Lord, you are master of heaven and earth. And so all praise to your name. Save me, Lord, save me. And he gladly reaches down and grabs us like he grabbed Peter and pulls us to safety. You belong in the mighty hand of God. Did you know that? 
as a church, we have this vision language that we, we put on most things. Belong, be known, be loved. This is what we desperately want. We want a place to belong, to know that this is where I should be. We want this to be a community that always stands with open arms and says, belong here, you're welcome. You've been kicked out of Eden and exile is a repeated theme throughout scripture and there's a God who says, it will not always be so. There's a God who makes a way. Jesus has made a way. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. He says, now come back here, you belong here. You belong in the mighty hand of God. You belong here in the mighty hand of God. So in faith, jump in. Jump in. This is, this is what I want to call you to in this series. Like, get out of the boat today and jump into the story that God has for you. The story that God is writing, that he's the grand author of, that he's inviting you into and say, come on. He shows up in the midst of our turmoil, in the storm, and he says, oh, you want to come out? Come on. Because you don't have to be afraid. So jump in because you belong in the mighty hand of God. And if I am in the mighty hand of God, then what do I have to fear? I can jump into the mission of God. I can jump into serving him and whatever he calls me to, no matter how terrifying, because I might have to pass through waters. I might have to pass through a river. I might have to walk through fire. And he says, don't be afraid because I'm gonna be with you. He ended his time on this planet before he rode in the clouds back up to the heavens. And he said, here's your mission. Go therefore. Therefore, because of what? Because he has all power. All power in heaven and earth has been given to him. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And no, I'll be with you even to the end of the age. The final words before he ascends back to the throne. You're gonna do this and you don't have to be afraid because I'm with you. You, believer, do not have to be afraid to jump out of the boat and go walking and dancing on the water with the Lord because he is with you, because it is with the Lord. And so I wanna call you, will you jump in? Will you jump in? Will you get out of the boat and go live a life of adventure and mission or faith that says you can take risks? Like, let's please, for the love of God, literally, let's not be a church that is just so comfortable saying, I showed up on Sundays, I gave a little money, I put a little bumper sticker on my car, I wear a little, like, I gotta be careful what I say, a cheesy shirt that says I love Jesus and think you did your part in the mission of God. Oh, God forbid. There's so much more to this mission than this plush life that we love. There's so much more to the call of God. Things can be different. And we, we named the church Beloved Church, and this has just been a wrestle for me for years now. That I, I, you know, most of you know the story. Like I love the way the Apostle John writes about it. And so our hope in calling this Beloved is as we address each other, we're just reminded perpetually of the love of God for us. And yet at the same time, the tension in me is like, I've, I've met guys who are like, I just didn't know about the name. <laughs> that sounds a little feminine. And that is such a heartbreaking thing to me. Men need to know that they're loved just as much as women. But the tragedy of the American church is it said that about 55% of the church, and I'm surprised it's that low, but about 55% of the church across this nation is female that it's far more likely to encounter a believer who is female than male, especially one that's outspoken about their faith. And I think so much of it is because of how much we have feminized this faith. That we think of Jesus as, you know, this cliche, like, 
really pretty dressed, like long billowy robe, feathery hair just out, and he's kind of frolicking around like, oh, disciples. This is the warrior. This is the king of kings and lord of lords. This is the lion of Judah who's coming back with a sword coming out of his mouth, fire in his eyes. Oh, just, hey, do you get it? He's not a God to be trifled with. He's majestic beyond measure. He's beauty beyond reason. He's power unrivaled. And he says, now go, be on mission. Take some risks. Go some places that are dangerous. Talk to some people when you're terrified. Say something. Stand up for the Lord and his truth. Go be on mission. And he says, guess what? I'm with you in that. Don't you want to be with him? Or do you want to be sitting safe in the boat? Still terrified, but at least I'm in a boat. And the call of our Lord is to say, come, come, jump in. Get out of the boat because things can be different. There's more to life than collecting a paycheck. There's more to life than waiting for the weekend because that's the only thing I can live for. There's more to life than mourning all these passing milestones that I thought was what I was looking forward to, but instead now I just grieve the fact that it's gone. There's so much more to life. So jump out of the boat. I, I, I so desperately want us to be a church that can live with an apocalyptic lens. Uh, apocalyptic means that like, you can see what is hidden. Uh, can you imagine, like, we actually structure our worship gatherings on Sundays, that this would be a window for you to see beyond all of what was distracting all week and trying to pull you away from the call of God so that we could have a moment where we would sing to each other as much as we sing to the Lord and remind each other, this is what's true. There is nothing better for you to invest in than the kingdom of God because it is all that will last. There is nothing more true than the fact that God loves you and he has proven it. So walk in light of that reality. And so we come together and you've got to live like that. And now it's got to go beyond Sunday morning that we don't just come here and think like, yeah, in that nice bucket that's neatly packaged in that boat. Hey, did you see the Lord walk by? Wasn't that awesome? Wasn't that awesome? We got a glimpse of God and all of his glory passing by. Whew, bad storm, but we're in this boat. No, it was so cool to see him walk by. How silly. Jump out of the boat. Let's go for a walk with him. Let's live a life of adventure. And men, maybe we'll stand up, right? Like to see that this is not some trivial little effeminate thing that we do. Like there's great worth. And ladies, please, please do not hear me as belittling femininity. Like to be male and female is to be the image of God. But it's both. And so we all have this call to rise up and be the image of God now to be salt and light, arresting death and decay and driving back the darkness. Like Jesus said, the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. The idea there is we're at the gates of hell. Let's storm hell. Like not thinking that we're gonna just sit here like, hey, come, come and see. You know, I heard one of his early disciples inviting another disciple, like, come and see. There's beauty to that. I hope that we are always an inviting church. Like, this week, please invite a lot of people to come to our worship gathering where they can hear the gospel and encounter God's community, the love we have for each other. Please do that. But to think that that is it is to totally miss it. Jesus said, go and tell. Like, storm the gates of hell. Let's go be about justice and mercy, the love of God. Let's walk humbly in that, but with confidence to know he's with us. So let's go. And so, serve. Live a life on mission. So I want, I want it to be very clear as we talk in this three-week series about like the vision of our church. The goal of this church 
is not to be a megachurch. I think that's the goal, sadly. Like, I have to kill myself because it's, it's pretty enticing to think like, man, like, what if we had all these resources make things so comfortable, so attractive? Like, that's, that's great. And I'm not saying that megachurch is wrong. I love, I love many megachurches. But that's not us. We are not a megachurch. We will not become a megachurch either. We are going to live with an apocalyptic lens to see that there's more here. High production and luxury amenities are not our thing. It's not, and it will not be our thing. Genuine discipleship and multiplication is our thing. Living lives in beautiful tension and relationship because love is what marks us is our thing. That is who we will be. That is who we must be because we follow the Lord and that is what he has called us to. And if that is not something that you're aligned with, I love you and I will lovingly help you find another church. I want you here, but you must know this is who we are. That our thing is relational discipleship and multiplication. That's who we are. It's who we will be. You're not here to fulfill leadership's vision of a nice, attractive, comfortable church that's growing. We're a growing church, and I praise God for that. But you are here so that you can be shepherded. You can be shepherded into Christ-likeness and then sent out on mission so that you can be obedient to our Lord and his calling for all of us. That's why you are here. And if we come to a point where you feel like, under my leadership or any of us as elders, pastors, that you're just here to fill a seat because it looks nice to have a big crowd, please come talk to us because either we have drifted from the vision God has given us or you don't understand something and I want to help shepherd you in that. This is not a performance. You are not a spectator. You are a participant in the story of God. So we raise our voices that everyone here has a voice that is just as important as my voice. We can have different roles, but you are just as valuable. There's the priesthood of all believers, that every one of us matters in the mission of God. And so let's live like that. Let's live in light of that. That's why we have seven pastors. Do you know that? We have seven pastors. Two of us are paid. The rest are lay pastors. They, they do this voluntarily. They give up by covenant, at least 10 hours a week to lay down their life in service to you. If everyone who calls beloved home on a regular basis came together, we'd be somewhere in the 250 to 275 range. Seven pastors. That's a lot. But do you know why that is? Because it's clear to all of us that when we hit roughly 300, that triggers for us that as soon as possible, we're going to multiply locally and half of us are going. And that can be terrifying to even us in leadership. But this is the call God has given us, to be about relational discipleship and multiplication, to invite more and more people into communities where you can belong and be known, like genuinely be known and be loved because of the gospel. This is our mission, to show a guilty world a gracious God, a God who is our greatest treasure. And so I want to invite you, get out of the boat, be on mission with us in that. Let's show a guilty world we don't shy back from that. Sin is real. We are broken sinners in desperate need of salvation that a gracious God steps in and provides to us so that when we scream out, Lord, save me, he says, gladly, and he grabs hold of us to be in the sovereign hand of God. And we want to plant churches here and around the world. And I pray regularly that many of you would feel the call of God to leave, 
whether that's to go a block over or a country over or a continent over. I pray that you're listening and I pray that God sends many of us all around the world for his glory to see more places where we're gospel beacons just proclaiming to the world that is guilty, that there's a gracious God. He's our greatest treasure. Know the name of Jesus. So get out of the boat and jump in. It may mean going new places. It might mean walking across the street to talk to your neighbor for the first time. It might mean going to the next cubicle over, the next classroom over. I don't know what it is for you, but will you take a risk this week in obedience to our Lord? Will you live on mission in this grand adventure of a God who is not safe, but he's with us, and so we don't have to be afraid? Will you live on mission? It might also just mean right here in this church that we are a growing church, and as we grow, we have more and more needs. Every single ministry team in our church needs more people to serve right now. Jump in. Jump in. Help. Be part of the mission of this church. Um, this all will culminate in um, August 27th, Connect Sunday, where we'll have opportunities for you to learn more about each team, meet some of the leaders, learn about home groups, um, sign up to serve. And so I would beg you to be praying in these next couple weeks, asking God, how would you have me serve in this church? How would you have me serve in this community? How would you have me serve in this world that you created and you are determined to redeem? How would God have you serve? Change happens in story, habits, and relationships. If you've been through our Newcomer's Lunch or Gospel Partnership, you've heard me harp on that, that the narrative in today's language shapes us. So what is the story that you're believing? Our story is the gospel. We want to view everything through the lens of the story of the gospel. And then story, habits, the things we do, our habits, they form us, they shape us. The things that we do shape us. And relationships, that if you want to change, be in community with people who want to change as well. Be in community with people who are the change that you want to see in yourself. Story, habits, and relationships. You need to be in a home group. If you think that you know beloved church because you come on Sundays, I want to lovingly say, you missed it. We are the church all the time. And the way that you can experience belonging and being known and being loved is not enough on a Sunday morning, as beautiful as this is. You need to be in a home group because that's where story, habits, and relationships will come to bear on you. And so sign up for a home group on August 27th. Be in community with the people of God. Be on mission. Serve together. Love each other. That's the people who will weep with you when you weep and rejoice with you and rejoice. This is doing life together. Following in the way of Jesus. So this might also just be a personal ministry that you're called to. I would love to see more ministries come out of the Love Church, not because leadership has said, hey, strategically, I think this would be really good. We have the resources to do this. Or we have the idea of how to do this, this, this. Is. What if it's just you realizing God called me to serve this place, this problem, these people, and I'm going to do it. And then we can come behind you and say, well, let's help equip you to do that. And praise God that his vision is not limited to just my vision or the elder's vision, but all of us, this priesthood of believers, called to do this work that the Lord has sent us out to. So it will be risky, um, like Peter, you know, it's really exciting to think, Peter got out, what great faith. 
And then what happens? He looks around and he's like, this is terrifying. The wind and the waves. And what does he do? He fails. Great faith followed by a great failure. He starts to sink. And you have the beautiful redemptive moment as he screams, Lord, save me. And Jesus, God himself, grabs him, pulls him to safety. But do you know that you will likely experience the same thing? I know I have many, many times and will. When you step out in faith, you most likely will notice there's still wind and waves. And this is still terrifying. This is still really dangerous. And you may start to sink. You likely will. You will probably fail. I don't want this to be a downer, but it's probably going to happen. But remember, you don't have to be afraid, not because you're going to be successful, but why? Because the Lord is with you. He's with you. So when doubt and failure come, as they likely will, step out. Well, how do I do that and not be afraid? Muscle memory. This game that I particularly love. You know what the key is? Muscle memory. There is no great strategy to this game. It's just a fun game. It's all about muscle memory. Just knowing where do I hold it, how high, what angle, it just, you feel it. So there's a, a friend of mine went to an island in the Caribbean. So they, they pull up and there's this guy at a little tiki bar there next to the shore. And he probably makes a killing because all these people come up these tourists and he's like, yeah, $50, I hit it first try and you can't within 10. I'll take you up. And you know what he does every single time? Every single time. Ring. It's right on it. Ten tries. Oh, I got it. Oh, I got to push this way. I got to push a little more, a little gentler, a little higher, a little lower. It's muscle memory. And so I can tell you from experience, from the Word of God, this is what it's like to walk in faith. It's like a muscle. You need to learn to grow it, develop it, but then just what does it feel like to fall back on Jesus? A member of our church this week found himself in an absolutely terrifying situation. And he calls me as he's following an ambulance on the way to the hospital. And he's terrified. Something awful is happening. And he doesn't know what's happening. There's confusion, there's fear, all the storm is raging. And you know what he says? Will you pray? And I just thought, how beautiful is that? That in the storm, he would be calm. That's good leadership. But his fallback position would be, trust Jesus. Will you pray to Jesus? Let's be a church like that, where we can step out of the boat and start walking in faith and know that when I falter, when I stumble, when I fail, I fall back to Jesus. I just cry out, Lord, save me. What a beautiful place for us to be. And that enables us, like muscle memory, to realize, hey, I've done this before. I'm going to be okay. And even if it means that I die, I sink to the bottom of this thing, I intake a lot of seawater, and I die, that's okay. The Lord is with me, the one who raises the dead. So I get to walk on water with him. So be on mission. You belong in the mighty hand of God, so jump in. And hear this as I close. Jesus famously said, my sheep, hear my voice. My sheep, hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father has given them to me. He's greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. You belong in the mighty hand of God. So jump in. Let's pray.
Father, I pray that in response to this truth that we would be like the disciples in the boat to be overwhelmed with wonder and then just worship you. Thank you for this great and mighty salvation, the, the promise that you hold us in your hand and so you'll be with us and we can walk in faith. We can take risks. So God, would you make us a church that will live on mission, that will care deeply about the things that you care about. Thank you that we get to do that joyfully, knowing that there is danger ahead, but you're with us. Nothing can take us from you. So we love you and praise you. God, would you make it so? In the name of Jesus, amen.